yo, what's good, everybody? Another episode here of Pelican Spaces. Your boy, Chris Connor here. Um, trying to do my best to... I was cleaning my damn apartment here, but I have lost my headphones, so... Uh, I don't know where they at, so we probably gonna have to rock with this for a little bit. But, um, so pretty much, you didn't watch the game. Watch the game. Pelicans took care of business pretty much from the start. Um, I started cleaning by halftime. So outside of Najee, Najee Marshall getting busy in the fourth and a few, a few, few other plays in the second half, I really ain't. Um, I really ain't catch much of the second half. So I'm gonna need y'all to guide me. I got about maybe maybe 30 minutes um in me tonight. But um yeah, man. So I'm a, uh, I'm gonna lean on y'all for a little bit. Get up here. Charles. Let me see what what is that defense tonight? Uh, I think the team at 15 still. Yeah, okay, 15 still. Um Charles, man, opening statements, opening thoughts about about tonight's win. I mean, like, you know, to me it was a game that you know, you know, you never want to say it's a game that the that the Pelicans should win, but the way that they're playing right now, um, and the state that the Clippers are in, you know, I mean, you feel confident at home. You know, that's that's one that you know New Orleans needs to win, especially with Brooklyn coming up Saturday. You know, there's there's always a bunch of mini tests throughout the season that kind of give you a, a a temperature of where you are, and it, it was very clear to me that they wanted to continue the momentum from that last game. Um, defensively, you know, the Clippers were a wounded team and the Pelicans play like, you know, we should win this game. And that's growth. Um, you come out, you you take care of business, uh, you you get to your spots. There's some things we got to clean up, man. But defensively, I, I was super impressed with how they – Locked in the rotations. Uh, AD was talking a lot about some of the complexities of the rotations and how difficult they are. Um, and you got a young team that's whatever they're being taught, they're applying. And that's what you really want to see. The win is gravy. Uh, to win by 20 is extra gravy. But to come out there, you know, get some momentum, take care of home. Um, I just I'm really impressed with where they are. Um, over, over these last couple of weeks, uh, James. Speaking of speaking of like what they're doing defensively, man. Um, but just overall, right now with the energy that they're playing with, um, you know, some of that is coming from the bench a little bit more. Uh, and one of those one of those pieces that are that have been very uh, essential in that is Jose Alvarado as of late. Um, I mean, from a from a statistical standpoint, you know, you, you you know, you'd probably say this was his best his best performance: four points, eight rebounds, four assists, three steals. Uh, for anybody, you know, it's funny. Yesterday, somebody I not, I forgot who it was, but somebody was like, "Do you think Jose could be the next T.J. McConnell?" Well, I mean, look, like T.J. McConnell in limited minutes, like there are nights in which it looks like that. Maybe maybe more assists and rebounds, you know, but. You know, just just someone that's going to fill up the box, the uh, the box score in a bunch of different manners. Um, and you know, we already know what Jose can bring you defensively, but you know, he's you can see why Willie is playing him. You can see why um, why a lot of people have been wanting to see that energy and that you know that person on the floor. You know, we knew what kind of teammate he seemed to be. To you know, just the um, you know the overall grit and just the uh, 
hungriness that he shows. It's able, you know, they we're able to see it now. Um, we're not seeing Thomas Sadoransky ever again, are we, James? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, look, bro, Sadoransky. I, I saw him. Uh, you know, when they post the pictures of like the the pregame fits and everything like that. The way Thomas Sadoransky dressed, knew he wasn't playing tonight. Like I, I was just sitting there thinking in my head, like, bro, this dude's job is gone. Uh, he, I mean, I what, what is it? The uh, people that signed resign contracts this year on January fifteenth. If he still is on this team by January sixteenth, I'll be surprised. I really would because where where is he, where does he fit now? Like, God forbid, Jose goes down with an injury or something like that. But like Jose has went out there. And he he's he's more aggressive than Sadoransky, even though he's not like a shooter or anything like that. Like he he at least attempts to attack the basket. Uh he does that um what the uh Antonio Daniels say all the time, like back out. Like he he does that. He hell, when the game was out of reach and everybody subbed in. Like he he was still like giving them the business, and that was gonna be another point that I was gonna. Make in regards to like this team is that came out and blitzed the hell out of the Clippers. where uh, this team is continuing to to win games like tonight and like um, the Tuesday. And um, in spots to where the more they continue to climb up the standings and people look and say, oh, okay, well, damn, they're, they're a game back out of, out of the Tennessee. You know, they're a half game out. Um, and, then, and then you start to mind of things in which they've had to, they've had to overcome and the amount of criticism and, uh, inconsistency and so on and so forth, and they're right here. But it's guys like Jose Alvarado, it's guys like um, Herb Jones and company that you know Willie entrusted or has had to put trust in, and has found a way to consistently put those guys out there, and not only. Um, I mean, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. You know, he just he empowers people. He doesn't ask them to do much more than what they're capable of doing. Whatever, whatever your best trait is, whatever your best characteristic is, he wants you to do it. And he's doing a, you know, he's continuing as he's learning on the fly. He's continuing to find ways to put these people in the best spots, you know, to succeed. Even guys that, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, um, that this year, you know, this isn't their first year necessarily in the league or their first year with the team, right? Like Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes is playing better. Willie's been trying all different types of ways over the past month, whether having him at power forward or whether it, you know, being 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 matchup based or, you know, what And 
yeah, man, I mean, Jose Alvarado, again, is another another example of such. Yeah, these guys got to come out here and play. They got to give energy. They got to make the right decisions. But, um, you know, Willie Green definitely deserves a lot of credit for, you know, the place and the situation that he's put them in, especially considering the, uh, the void of talent that they have in a lot of those areas. Um, Ford, though, I was speaking about Jackson. I do want to talk about him a little bit more, man. Uh, uh, you know, we see we see stretches, right, ups and downs, three, four games he plays well, three, four games, not so much. Three, four plays in the game, he's playing, you know, he's playing well. Then it's, you know, then it's two, it's, it's back-to-back possessions. He's like, man, you know, whether defensively, offensively, what are you doing? But, you know, I do think that from a from a confidence standpoint, he is he is slowly starting to um, starting to find himself and put some things together just from some tendencies and some of the things that you know you characteristically see him do, whether it be off of off of rebounds, whether it be off of off of um you know when he's when he's guarding uh, fundamentally defensively, so he's he's making some kind of changes. Now the box score is is what it is, but you know I think just from you know the eye test is showing that, you know, he's at least attempting to get better in some of these areas. I'm not saying that, um, you know, the Pelicans shouldn't still be in a spot to where they, they should consider, you know, moving him if the right deal ends up ends up coming across. Um, but, you know, it, what have you seen from Jackson, let's say, in just the past two weeks? I mean, are you seeing a guy that's getting, you know, that's, that's improving, that's playing more confidently, or is he just going through one of those stretches that we talked about where, um, you know, He's good right now, but in a couple games, we'll see Bad Jackson again. I uh, I know that Drew's not in here to to talk his shit about uh, how everybody was sleeping on Jackson for the longest time, but um, I don't think that this is just a typical Jackson woke up because he got sent to the deep bench or to the G League and, and he started taking things seriously again. I think that I can see a mentality change. It's not just the I'm going to sit back in the shadows and wait for an opportunity to jump really high or run really fast and display, you know, the intangibles that everybody already knows that he has. Um, it looks like there are some there are some light bulb moments that are happening more and more often in this two week span, um, especially on defense. And my friend Jared is in here. He hasn't spoken here either, but he texts me all the time because I've been a ginormous Jackson Hayes truther for the past three years and it's been an awful awful season for that given that it's year three but um you know we've had four yep for real quick what does what does a Jackson Hayes truther sound like uh give me an example he says he says uh Jackson Hayes has 99th percentile measurables and has 10 inch hands and needs to find a way to learn how to rebound the ball with how high he can jump and once he does that and wakes up on defense and doesn't get cut behind or out rebounded by six foot five players, uh, he'll start living up to top ten pick uh, expectations. Okay. Oh, okay. But 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 you believe that what we're seeing from him um, as a blade is something that he can that can maybe stay. You think that something truthfully from a mentality standpoint has changed, and this isn't just. Um, you know, a good swing of things going in his direction, or you think that there's some things in which he's, or you see some things that um, he's putting uh, to the test beyond just um, going out there, running fast and jumping high. Right. And I think, 
I think positioning on the rebounds, it, you know, it, it comes and goes with him. And I hate to keep leaning back on the he hasn't played organized basketball long enough to have the instincts that most ball players do. But I think the positioning on his rebounding is is getting better. And honestly, the shot selection is getting better as well. It's not just I'm two and a half feet from the rim right now. So I'm going to put it up there regardless of where, like if I'm on balance, if somebody's in front of me, behind me, tackling me. Um, you know, today he had he had a moment where he slowed down and he kicked it back outside and reset the offense, I think might have been in the second early second half. Um, and just things like that, you you didn't see high intellect basketball being played by him really much in the first two seasons he was here. And there's at least been moments this year where you can see it come in. And, it, it you know, it just comes with time. Um, no, 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 I, I can definitely, you know, I, I, I've been able to see some things as well, uh, from just a, uh, from a, a tendency and just a habit standpoint in which he's trying to battle and fight out there, you know, game to game. And I mean, look, like he doesn't have a choice, right? Um, you know, Willie, but it hasn't just been Willie, but Willie's been, you know, really strategic and. Uh, how he's tried to motivate Jackson, right? And, um, you know, we we were at a point in the year in which, you know, a lot of us thought that Willie Hernan Gomez had taken his spot and we wouldn't, you know, you would you, you would only see Jackson if, you know, say someone got in foul trouble or, you know, the team ended up having a, having a COVID outbreak or, you know, in, you know in, an injury, whatever the case may be. Well, you know, Billy's healthy now and Jackson's out there and it's not, it's not killing the team. It still isn't always perfect, but you know, I mean, that's look. I mean, that's the that's the experience right now. The best you can hope for him, as long as you have him on the team, is that he's putting together not even just the physical things, the mental and the motor, the motor perspective of his position. You know, and, and I mean, people talk about it all the time. You know, I mean, um, it, it it doesn't. You know, Grub always says like you can. You know, it, it doesn't matter if he can do things that you know most centers can't do. You know, if he doesn't commit to the things that, you know, you have to do at that position, boxing out, um, you know, staying on your feet, you know, sound defensively, being able to win rebound. Like that Toronto game, for example, you know, you out there against you playing against a bunch of guys where, you know, Toronto, they don't come out with they come out with lineups where ain't nobody taller than six, eight on the floor. You know, that's a that's a matchup where Jackson has to go out there and find a way to dominate from some perspective, at least on the boards. Didn't didn't happen. So. Um, but it's promising to see nice like tonight and hopefully, you know, they continue. Um, so let's, let's move forward here. Appreciate you coming up for Jones. Um, man, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about her Jones, man. Um, you know, another, another solid, another solid performance, like nothing, you know, three steals, like hey, four, what I think 14 and six efficient night from the floor, five for six. Like he took, he took what was there, what was available for him. Um, how long and you know Antonio Daniels kind of kind of alluded to it uh in a in a recent I I believe in Tuesday's game. You know, are we are we entering or are as if the Pelicans continue to win games and we're and we're realistically talking about them being a playing team or maybe something beyond that. I mean it, it's it's clear Herb is gonna make an all rookie team. But is there a situation where we see him make maybe an all defensive second team? Like is I mean, is he because he's He's really, he's part of, um, you know, and there's there's other there's there's other elements as well. 
Brandon Ingram has, you know, has has committed on that end in a lot of different ways. I mean, pretty much anybody that gets on the floor is is at least attempting to defend. It's not many lazy possessions. Even if you get lost, people are out there competing. But, you know, a lot of this starts with what Herb can bring you um, individual, you know, as an individual defender, weak side, team. Um, but are we looking at a situation where we could be talking about him making uh, one of the all-defensive teams? Uh, I'd be surprised, honestly. I think they, they, they're going to knock us for our record. And as good as Herb is, he's not the best rookie. Or he's, he's, not, he's not, like, stand out against anybody else uh, as far as his defense. He's really good on defense. Uh, I think getting better every day. He looks like he's understanding reads. He's catching things that uh, I see some of our other players aren't catching. All, all rookie team, I, I think Herb's a lot for it. I think he's only going to get better throughout the season. And his numbers are just going to slowly keep going up. But all defensive team, it, it's going to be kind of hard for him to get on there. I think they will just fault us for being Pelicans, honestly, in general. And then our record not being good enough to, to be something of a standout. I think you got to at least be a little bit above 500 teams to get looked at, get talked about. And he's going to need some people to start talking about him. And for whatever reason, the media just does not like to talk about the Pelicans unless it's Zion and there's some negative news. Uh, so I think that's 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 what I think about Herb. I think he should be in contention for it. I think he's playing well enough. I think his defensive numbers are there. I think his plus minus is is consistently there. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. But I, there's always a knock being a, a New Orleans Pelican. I think that's going to hurt him a little bit and, along with our record. Uh, but b- before I, I I cut off, Chris, I just want to say one other thing. I think. Everybody probably wants to talk about some of the players tonight, but I think two things stood out for the game tonight. One, in the past, this would be a typical Pelicans trap game where we play down to the level of our opponent. We didn't do that at all from the jump. I saw defense when you don't normally see defense. So people hitting shots when usually on a game like this, they play down the level of the, de- of the other team and they're missing shots and there's mistakes, like silly mistakes, turnovers, things like that. They were they were sure up. And the other thing was we finally got to see some garbage time, which helped out the rookies that don't, you know, like Trey Murphy finally gets a chance to at least come in and just touch the ball, right? Just build, start building up some type of confidence. A lot of times in these games where we want to play into that level, it's close at the end of the game. So we can't put nobody in like uh, Trey Murphy or somebody else that we want to actually see. Uh, how to we want to give them some playing time, give them some development time. So I think seeing both of those two tonight was probably the best thing about this game. Yeah, we should have won, but uh, it's still a good plus in my book. And yeah, man, that's a that's a really good point, man. I mean, it's good to you know to be in a spot to where like, um, given the tendencies of the franchise and just you know our you know as fans as observers of the team, you know you always have the back in your head, you know in the back of your head, like, you know, um, all right, you know, they, you know, they had, they had a big, you know, a big time win a couple, couple nights ago. This is the perfect kind of, kind of letdown game. Uh, you know, the Clippers have surprised, you know, even without Paul George and Kawhi, they've had nights in which they've, you know, they've surprised folks and won games that they're not, they weren't necessarily supposed to win. Um, and the Pelicans pretty much dominated it from the start, you know, from start to finish. It really was never a point in the game. Um, where you know you thought the Clippers would truthfully have a chance at um, at winning, so um, 
that's that's good to see, and that's a that's a really good point, Jones, because you know there's a lot that, that you can point at when it comes to that. We talked about Willie, we you know we talked about the players, but you have to have a level of you know attention to detail. Um, and look, right, we just saw the Timberwolves, and I mean to me, you know, it, it was probably probably an excuse because you know they lost to this team, you know, already uh, the Pelicans that is earlier earlier in the year. But you know, you you saw the Timberwolves just just come on and flat out say, you know, we thought that we were gonna we were gonna go in there and win. You know, we thought it was gonna be sweet. Well, Pelicans didn't do that, right? They took care of business, and um, yeah, I mean that's that's really good to see. That's showing you know a squad or, or a, a group of guys that are you know maturing. Um, because I mean, any night you any night you can get got, man. Any night. Um, Five, get in here, man. Uh, we we haven't talked about Jonas. We haven't, um, you know. There's a there's you know some other. I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, uh, so so game from Josh Hart. I mean, it's really you know, not much, really notably otherwise to really you know to really speak to. You want to talk about Eric Bledsoe, bro? He played played nine minutes. Hey, bro, I don't want to talk about no Eric Bledsoe, but look, I do you want to talk about Eric Bledsoe. Okay. No, nah, straight right. on, straight on Eric Bledsoe, bro. Look. Uh, All right. I do want to make a comment about you said her not making possibly not making the um, all defensive team. I think he actually has a chance because if you look at everybody that made it last year, um, I was just looking at it. Uh, second team is Bam, Jimmy, Joel, and B, Kawhi, Matisse. First team is Drew, uh, Draymond, Rudy, Giannis, and Ben Simmons. Like I think like at least four or five of them people haven't really played this season, and. I, if you can name another forward slash guard that's playing better defense than Herb right now, that's getting looks from that, you know, getting notified by like even other media when they, when they play against somebody like Herb, you know, they mention his name and I, I don't think no one's playing as good as him right now uh, defensively uh, at, at the position. I know Matisse is still great. Um, I can't really name another, another forward. So I think he actually has a chance, but um, this game was, all defensive. Um, that was probably the best defensive half we've had all season. Probably the best defensive half, defensive half we've had in the last three or four years. Like that was crazy. We were switching stuff. Uh, Jackson Jackson's development has been crazy, even on the defensive end. Like I think putting him at the four was uh, like a huge plus for him this season. Um, also, even when he he's in a pick and roll, like he understands. Like the next pass and the next pass after that, like he's processing things quicker. So the development is is there. I think our team is getting smart. Like we we have times in games, even if we're not making shots, we take it. We're taking really good shots. There's just one person that always is gonna take a dumb shot, and and, and we know who it is. I'm not even gonna bring up his name. It don't even matter no more. Like we just need to proceed, I guess, as we are moving forward and just continue to get better. Wait, 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 five. Let me let me ask you something. I won't I won't see where your temperature at, man. Uh you you who you you more today, you more concerned about Nikhil or you more concerned about Jackson Hayes? Concerned? I'm more concerned about Nikhil. Ooh. Okay. I'm more concerned because because it's it's simple for Jackson. Like it literally is like if you teach Jackson how to get rebounds, and most people say that's a skill. Dog, Jose almost had nine rebounds today. Almost had ten and he's my height. Like, it just takes effort and understanding basketball at that point. Like, it doesn't – it's not like, ah, uh, like, the you got to know the trajectory and you know the bounce off. The, like, you don't have to do that. Like, he's big enough. He's athletic enough. He just needs to put the effort in to do that. 
Nikhil, like he don't care. If I'm Jonas, I hate Nikhil. Like I, I, I hate Nikhil. Like he never sees the right play. He shoots at the wrong time all the time. Even when he makes a shot, it's still a bad shot. Like it takes the rhythm out of everything. Like he pulled the, they were on a three on two fast break. He goes out to the wing. Jonas has surge sealed, and he shoots a three. Josh kicks it to him. Like, bro, you don't like you don't see that. Like you, like there's there's no way you can't see that. And and I know Willie's pissed about it. If I'm if I'm for real, if I'm Jonas, like I want to kill him all the time because he does it consistently. You know, I'm really I'm really curious about well, I'm really uh, curious about uh, this from a lot of other perspectives of people here, man. Is there anybody else like? Um, We've been going back and forth. Y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot. I I just I li, listen. I I want to know because I, I thought <laughs> you know I thought Jackson was on his way out. Man, we we had stopped. We, like we had stopped talking about him one hundred percent. Are we? I, I think are, are people back on the other side of the spectrum here? Is it now? I, I, I think I'm, you, yes. You sell high on Jax, but I think Jax's ceiling has always been higher than the kill ceiling because Jax is – I was saying this at the beginning of the season. Jackson's game is attached to guard play. If Jackson had fucking Chris Paul or James Harden or even Jose consistently this season, he looks like Clint Capella. Jackson's his two things is give me time out, time out, time out, time out. I don't need Clint Capella right now. You wild? No, no, hear me out, hear me out. Let let me, let me, let me add a little more to it. What I was about to say is the only thing with Jackson's game right now is he looks like a person who struggles to put on weight and he's afraid of contact. I think he would be a much better rebounder if he wasn't so afraid of contact. All them ferocious dunks and shit, that shit look cool, but he don't want to go down there and bang with nobody. He don't want like catch no elbow to the face, trying to get no rebound. He's he a little afraid of contact. But I always thought his game was attached to guard play. Like, if you got any type of competent guards on the floor with Jackson, he's going to look like a very serviceable big man. He's, he's going to look good. And thus far, that hasn't been the case. But with Nikhil, man, I always say he just soaks up all of the intelligence off the floor. Like, it just, when he's on the floor, everyone just starts playing different. Jonas, he starts bitching to the refs a little bit more. Hart starts looking back at the refs a little bit more. Everybody just starts playing weird when the kill gets on the floor. And it's just, tonight, he almost shot us out of the game. If the kill plays longer in that stretch, in that second half, I guarantee you, the lead, it was at 13. The lead would have went down to single digits, right? It, it would have been a single-digit game, and we would have really saw, you know, this dude for who he's been all season. You know, um, I think you got to credit B.I. because I think a lot of times when people were saying, yo, B.I. puts up empty stats, it's because of the timing. Even I said it. I was like, man, if B.I. don't bust your ass in the first half, he just not, not going to do it. But now you're seeing him in the second half, get timely buckets when they really matter, like momentum shifting buckets, Herb getting momentum shifting buckets. Like these are players, Jose just adds so much basketball intelligence on the floor. And when you put the kill out there, it's just this motherfucker. He just taking all the oxygen out the room. That's the, so look, that's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, James, James, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not gonna let you call, um, I'm not. I'm not gonna let you say Jose Jose Alvarado turns 
anybody in the Clint Capella just yet. We just we're not we're not doing that. That was, that was a bit much. That was that's a bit much. That was a, that's bit a much. lot much. We gotta, that was a we lot. Gotta, keep <laughs> we gotta apologize for that because look, we got children in here, man. And they gonna take that. And they gonna send that back. They gonna take that out outside the spaces and be bringing that bringing that shit to school, and it's gonna be your fault. Come on, man. Be better, man. Be a better example. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> James, man, go ahead and uh, uh react however I, you need to. I, I'll go. I'll go say like I'm still like not on the the. Uh, Jackson Hayes train, like I get people keep saying, got competent guard play, and I'm and I, I will say this, I've hopped off the no train, like I have hopped off this. I'm a, I'm both, I'm on both that train because my thing is with Jackson Hayes is that even though when he does have, like you said, some competent guard play, he still struggles, struggles setting screens. And then the last game where we played against the um, not last game, but the game four that we played against the uh, Raptors. Where it was a clear advantage that he had, because because of his height and his athleticism, he did not take advantage of. Like that was a game that I'm like, hey, bro, you should get ten rebounds just off accident. Like because they did, they didn't play nobody taller than six seven. No, no, I think six. I think uh, how tall is a uh, uh, maybe six uh, nine? But you right maybe, either way, maybe six nine. So that that shit right there, like somebody like five was saying, that's effort. Like to me, that's disappointing. Like you should have just got ten rebounds just by acting on that. And then when it comes to no, I get what he's saying in that sense because the thing is, is like, and I said this on my post, like I think about a week or so ago. No is the type of person that pull out five hundred dollars out his bag to pay for milk. Like, bro, you don't have to do all this extra shit. Just do the simple play. Like whenever I see no take a three. You know, at, without attacking the rim, I just my head just dropped. Like, cause I know that it may go in, but that ain't the shot that I wanted you to take at that moment. Like, we we doing good, like inside out. Everybody, you notice whenever we go in and out, like it just flows better. Like, if it was a situation where like somebody cut and then threw it out there and he was wide the hell open, take the shot. I'm cool with that. Don't take a shot with the dude right there in your damn face. Don't do that. Also, it's like Herb has the bag. We think Naw has because, honestly, the idea of Naw is a lot better than the product because, like, again, he's one of them people. It's like when you see a dominant big man, that's like if Shaq spent all summer. I hate to compare him to Shaq, but that's like if Shaq spent all summer working on a jump shot. You're like, no, just do what you're already good at. Just drive to the lane. You ain't, you ain't even mastered that yet. This is a tech, man. Stop working on these bogus ass jumpers. Like you just come on. Like just he he don't he don't know where his spot is on the floor yet. Like that's the that's one of the biggest differences that I see with Brandon Ingram is like he know where his spot is. Like it it a lot of a lot of people here I think are Saints fans, right? And y'all follow a dude named uh that boy Wolf, right? But two years ago, whenever Michael Thomas was going ham and was killing people. He said that uh, Michael Thomas don't even see people anymore. He sees the Matrix. He just I, like he just knows the game now. That's what Bi point. I, I feel Bi is at right now. Like he don't even see nobody in front of him. He's just like I'm getting to my spot. It don't fucking matter who's there. I'm gonna rise up over your ass and hit that shot. Like and then even then, like Antonio Daniels said, like bro, he it seems like he's having more fun passing the ball than he doing scoring. Now if he sit there and say, okay, I got the missed bats, I'm gonna kill your ass. That's what I'm finna do, but I see I see Jonas right there. I'm finna get him a no look pass and get an easy bucket. Hey, and I think that's that's probably why like 
Jackson has played better with beyond the court because he has a facilitator, i.e. a point guard out there that can give him the ball in the right places. And he's starting to understand basketball. No problem is he doesn't, he doesn't know what a good shot is. Like his decision-making passing, either passing or shooting. He doesn't know what that is yet. Like he doesn't know, Hey, we're time score ball bucket. Like he doesn't know these things. He just knows, Hey, I got the basketball in my hands. I'm going to try to shoot this shit. There's no way he should be shooting more shots than Brandon. There's no way he should be shooting more shots than Jonas. Like, I don't, I don't know what Willie's saying to him. <laughs> so, I, I just I just want to say that, Five, every time I hear you talk about Nikhil, it, y'all y'all remember there's a um, a famous uh, Stephen A. Smith clip. He's talking about Kwame Brown. And he's talking about how <laughs> Kwame can't move. He got small Kwame, hands. He got Kwame no doesn't have a he post move. This. He got small <laughs> hands. No, but he, but he has all that, though. He has all the moves. Like, he has all the, the physical attributes. Like, he has all that. But he doesn't mentally know what to do. Like it's that's his, his downfall. It's mental. Like he doesn't know what to do. He also never met a heat check he didn't like. I, you know what? I I think, man. Which is why I hope that um, I hope that if the Pelicans do end up making a move for like you know for like a guy like C.J. McCollum, like um, if Nari isn't involved in the trade, he can have an opportunity to learn from somebody like that because I think I think Nikhil would benefit from. Um, having somebody next to him that, um, you know, can show him, you know, that is that is that is similarly talented with the basketball, um, that can just simplify things for him, like Jordan um, Poole and Steph. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, like, I don't know if I'm there with Jordan. I don't know if I'm necessarily there with Jordan Poole yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, we would love him to even to even be Jordan Poole at this point. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, and and I don't compare necessarily Jordan, you know, to Steph, but just anybody that has, you know, scoring um, experience in this league, different, you know, three levels that uh, because you guys missing the the mentality aspect of things. But for me, man, it's a it's a processing. It's a uh, it's a just things slowing down consistently. And like, I think would work for him last year was when he was in a situation where he knew exactly what his role was going to be every game um and he didn't have to think it worked for him so when he was when he was in the starting lineup and he was you know third fourth option and he was way more reactionary versus having to create um just things worked better for him the matchup that he had to go against was a lot weaker the floor space was a lot better everything worked for for him and when he didn't have to think he made smart plays or he made smarter plays. And if, and if he didn't, he had enough talent out there around him to be able to clean it up. I think one problem for McKeel is that like, you know, um, there's when he's on the floor, sometimes like the talent, the talent gap of those that are around him. When we've seen him out there with Thomas Sadoransky and others, like it's so, you know, it's so, it's so bad. Like his bad plays hurt that much more. Um, and then it goes into a confidence thing, and you see those, you you know, you see similar plays take place even when the starters are out there. You know, like the uh, what what did he do in the Hawks game? I, I forgot what he did. It was just a step back three for no reason. They were down. They were like 
It just didn't make any sense at all. Was it the spin around? Like the, the three yeah, spin yeah. around and, step back? Yeah, and Willie, and Willie took him out. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I think either A, a situation where they can continue to add talent or he can have somebody to learn from. Because I'm not sure. Like, I think Nikhil's going to figure it out before Jackson. That's just me. I really do believe that. I think I just think he works and cares too much about the game too, and he's too talented not to. I think he has the he has the right profile, he has the right body, he has the right work ethic, and the right mind to figure it out. And I think he will figure it out quick, uh, quicker than Jackson. Whatever the hell that means, or whatever that is, I think he's going to figure it out. But I think he would benefit more, or he would benefit a lot from somebody, even a Norman Powell, just somebody that can show him. You know that that is what he aspires to be. I, I think I think he's a team away. I think I, I really do think he's like a team or two away. I, I don't I don't think it's that. And Chris, listening to you talk, it, it kind of sounds like what you're really saying is you need Nikhil out of that six man role. Um, that six man role is a very savvy role because your your role changes from night to night. Um, you have to be able to read the game. And it's like you're playing double dutch. And you got to be able to hop in there and give the team what it needs. And what Nikhil needs is a little bit more direction and role clarity than being the guy. You know, you think about the top six men, Lou Will, um, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Jamal Crawford back in the day. Those guys really got into a flow once they became veterans and were asking Nikhil to do it at a very young age. So when you bring up a guy like Norman Powell, he's somebody that's going to slot right in as a six man. Uh, if you bring in a guy like CJ McCollum, that means somebody from the current starting lineup is going to slot in. And um, another thing that really frustrates me with Naw is you see this team growing together. And I'm not saying Naw is not a part of that, but you kind of see like a rising tide raising all the boats. And I'm seeing the keel get left behind just a little bit. When it comes to the decision making, it seems like everybody else is picking up certain nuances, but Nikhil is just a little bit a little bit off. So that's just a little bit concerning. But I think you made a great point about bringing somebody else in that can maybe slot him down a peg. Everett, Everett, I see your hand up, man. Get in here. Yo, um, man, y'all was talking about a lot of y'all made a lot of good points, and I guess I'll just jump in on the back end. I don't want to pile on my man, no, but. Like Charles just talking about about that six man role. Technically, that's not even his role. That is Josh Hart's role, obviously, because we're missing a starter. So if we're if we're talking about the future of this team, if we're talking about where people are designated to try to fill in, Nas is more like a seventh eighth man off the off the bench. You know, I'm not seventh eighth man off the bench, but in a rotation, he's seventh eighth man because of the fact that it would be one of the starters would be coming off the bench. So I feel like it would be Josh Hart coming in first off the bench to to give us that energy off the off the bench. And then behind him would be probably a Jackson Hayes to take in for Jonas and then probably no. So he is really out of pocket right now. And that's probably confusing for him. So when I look at him and and I think James said this earlier that if every player on our team, if if you ask me, I could pretty much tell you where where their spot is, where they like to shoot from, except for Nah. He's the only one that I have no idea 
because he's so random. He's so all over the place. And and I feel like Willie sees that, and that's the reason why his menace has dramatically reduced. We've all noticed that his menace went from – he was playing like almost 30 minutes a game sometimes. It felt, it felt like it at least. But his menace done gone down game after game, and I feel like that is uh, Willie Green trying to control – his outburst of, hey, go in there, do your thing. And that's the reason why I think he's starting to try to change the way he plays. Like if he did last game and he did a little bit this game, but then if you leave him on the court too long, he was like, oh, hey, I'm here. He's like a damn um, a kid. Like if you leave him unmonitored too long, they start going crazy. Yeah, he, he needs to be protected from protected from himself. It's from himself. Like, exactly. It's almost like Willie with Sadoransky. It's like you need people like that out of the picture just so you can like protect the coach or different players from themselves. But the thing with Noah is you gotta pay this motherfucker in a couple years. Like, do you really do you really gamble with his development or do you just be like, all right, look, it, it no, ain't but like but I really do think he's going to be a good player in the league. Like, I think he's going to be really good. I feel like he's going to grow into his own. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, I think he's a team or two away. I really think he got to hit. I don't know how far his rock bottom is, but he got to hit, like, rock bottom. And um, just, you know. Chaz, like, I think somebody had compared him to Jamal Crawford and uh, Lou Will, like, when no dudes came into the league, you know what they said about them. Like, they will shoot you out of a game. They'll win you games, but they'll shoot you out. I think he has that same kind of mentality. Like, he'll, he'll do something so amazing, these, these scoring outbursts, and then he'll do something so terrible and continuously terrible and, and until he becomes a veteran. Like Chad said, a team or two away. And then he'll understand, like, all right, this is where I get my spot. This is where I understand it. And I don't think he understands it. Well, well, I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I, I'm just I'm I'm a sucker for uh, irrational confidence and work ethic, man. I, I I can't can't do anything about that, man. For whatever, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm always gonna be tied to, tied to people like that and believe like even if that's just a, a, a stubborn trait of myself, I'm always going to want to see those guys figure it out. Like he's he's a guy that I would hate to see go. You know what I'm saying? Like like I just because I. I was out of a doubt, a hundred percent believe that he's going to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like it's exactly. Just, and, and, you know, I mean, I just, I, I, I know it now. Whether or not it's down the line, like with Jackson, I still have my questions. I feel like he should be able to figure it out, and I feel like, you know, but, but I don't know when. I just feel like it's sooner. It's sooner for Nikhil. I think you know, Jackson. Uh, if Jackson doesn't figure it out in New Orleans, it may take another team. May t- he may take the Javale McGee type role. Chris, right you're now. you're on the summer jam screen. Do you re-sign Nalta? Do you give him his rookie extension? Do you bring him back? With everything I just told you, yes, 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 absolutely. Yes. I don't think he's gonna come. I, I, if if it comes down to it, and it's like, okay, who you choose between Nal and Jackson? Me, I, I'm I'm choosing Nal before I I choose Jackson because I just think like it to me because I get what y'all saying, and I'm like I said, I'm there with y'all as far as like stuff. But I, to me, I think it's easier to bring somebody back. Than it is to sit there and try to steal something to somebody. I don't think Jackson has the and look, drive to really that's do real talk. what you want look, to do look, within the next, you know. I want y'all. I want y'all to look at it like this. We talk like everybody keeps bringing up Jordan Poole, but y'all got to remember that like Jordan Poole's in a situation right now where like 
Golden State's playing so well as a team, right? They're not dependent on whether or not Jordan Poole plays great or he plays bad. Like, like, like you know what I'm saying? They can they can survive a terrible a terrible game from Jordan Poole. And I'm talking about before Clay came back. Before, like that's how well they were playing. If he's not playing well, there's so many other guys you could throw in that you could throw in Otto Porter and get a performance out of him. You could throw in, uh, you know, you can throw in the rookie early in the year. Maybe maybe Moses Moody goes out there and plays well. You know what I'm saying? You you can you can help from so many different other pieces around the roster. Like, but we were talking about a roster earlier in the year for, you know, the Pelicans before some of these other guys started coming in and playing well. You had, what, seven, six guys that you felt any, that you felt any type of confidence about coming out game after game? Like, I, I mean, I think, like, we got we to gotta also look at it and say once the talent continues to grow around the team and they can improve some of these areas, the same way anybody is saying that Jackson Hayes is guard dependent, we might need to say that Nikhil right now who to me has somewhat who has somewhat of a fragile mentality because he wants it he, he tries really hard and he beats himself up when things don't go well. Um, he might be a guy that needs to be surrounded by good talent to continue to get himself to continue to develop, and then eventually shit will turn on the way that it needs to for him when things completely slow down. So, um, wait I, before um, you call on the next dude, Chris, I will say this about Jackson: I was on the whole ship Jacks out of town for a cheese sandwich and a bag of corn chips or something. You know, what I mean, I was I hated Jacks early in the season, but is as weird as it sounds, bro. I feel like he has learned simply because if you look at his IG post, they'd be mad slim now. He's not running to update his Instagram. So it feels like he's more focused on the game than he is highlights, you know? And it, I know that's a weird thing to compare it to, but at least he's learning. And I, and I guess that's the Willie Green effect that he really is getting to through to these guys and teaching them how to be professionals. And that's something that, we can't always say that our team had. They weren't professionals. They were excited to be in the NBA, but were they trying to hone in on their craft like I feel like they are now? So I so I wanna get I wanna give Vinay up here just, just from an outside uh, perspective. Uh Vinay being a you know, being a Lakers fan and watching you know, watching the Pelicans, you know, here and there, you know, whenever whenever you get a chance to, to watch McKeel. Laker or, fan. Uh, from what you have seen <laughs> from whatever what, what are those whatever you have seen, y'all be nice. From whatever whatever you've seen, man, of Nikhil, like what's what's your perspective? What do what do people that maybe they tune in for a Pelicans game here and there, like what do they see when they look at Nikhil? Yeah, so he he plays like his cousin, like he tries to play like his cousin, right? Like he tries to play like Shea, like he trains with him in the off season, um, uh, with with Olin Simplis. I think I think one of your beat writers uh, wrote about just kind of how Nikhil is trying to step up into like this role, uh, into this bigger role that like. The Pelicans want him to play. You know, he he strikes me. We had this problem with Dennis Schroeder, like when he wanted to be the starter for, for us last year. He's a scorer who can make plays, like the obvious plays when he's like about to get a, you know, get a good look for himself or something like that. But he's not a point guard. And I know I've sat in a couple of your spaces, Chris, like which are which are really, really great spaces. I know a couple of them, a couple of the spaces back, you guys were having like this deep debate about getting a point guard on your team and whether you should trade for De'Aaron Fox or you know, who's the guy that you guys should trade for and stuff like that to help you run the offense. I think, I think you guys are describing like one of the things I thought we had an issue with last year, which was you've got a guy who can score, 
but is it a guy who reads like he doesn't collapse the defense to create a play for Jonas? He's a guy who collapses the defense to look for his shot because, and I think some of that comes from the fact that he spends his off seasons he trains with his cousin, like they they train with the same guy. And if you watch Shea play for OKC, like they space the floor out, five out, and, and you know they have good floor balance and stuff like that. And Shea just gets to go to the rim every single time, like that's his job, like go to the rim, get layups, get fouled, shoot threes, you know, iso ball, that kind of thing. And I think maybe like that's the part that he's having issues. I think somebody on your on your um, space said like, if you get a different person to take that responsibility, to be like the pick and roll guy, to, to get the shots, you know, get the ball to BI, or get the ball to Jonas, like when they got the right matchup. I think somebody mentioned like a three on two and Jonas has Ibaka sealed right right beneath the rim or something. Like a point guard sees that, right? So he's not going to make that kick to, to the wing. He's going to go right, right to, to the most obvious play. And that's probably where his limitation is. He's a scorer that can make pl- passes out of scoring situations, but he's not a uh, he's not a he doesn't change the geometry of the floor, right? Like he doesn't force people to go into different areas and stuff like that and, and find the open guy. It's I, I think a lot of teams have that issue, and and um, it, it just it just sounds only reason I, I you know I'm saying anything is because it sounds so similar to the issue that we had with Dennis. Like Dennis was just like if he wasn't scoring, like he he was playing defense, but it was just like. All right, man. You're not really like helping us out. You're not. You're not setting up Anthony Davis for lobs or nothing like that. So it's 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 interesting to hear you guys kind of mention the same same issues. Uh, Patrick, man, uh, get in here, man. I mean, you've you've heard the debate that's going on. Anything anything you want you want to respond to or add to or offer? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Nah, my biggest hesitation still is honestly his three point shot because everyone talks about. Oh, you put him with players who can, you know, get him the ball in advantageous situations. But if he's not knocking down open shots, because he is getting open looks from three that he just has not been able to convert. So if he played like a Josh Hart where the three was not so much what he was looking for and he was, you know, going downhill off the catch more often and, you know, just using his size to be a defensive disruptor, then I'd be a lot more, uh, bought in on the idea of him playing with other talent. So, like, I'm kind of caught between two minds with him because when you look at what the Pels need with, like, on-ball offensive creation, he still is the best candidate of the guys that you're bringing off the bench to give you that. So it's tough to take the ball out of his hands because he's not that effective right now when he doesn't have it in his hands. So... Yeah, I I just feel like going forward, like I feel like I agree. I think he's probably a team or two away. So I just don't if I if I'm making a move for someone that I would consider a long term piece, like I'm not balking at including Nah or something like that. Okay, uh, no, 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 listen. I mean, I I think all this all this is good perspective, man. I just you know I'm I'm very curious how because again, man, like we have. You know, depending on the week that's happening, you know, we have different conversations about, you know, this player is up, this player is down. Um, and, you know, I'm always interested to see how the temperature changes, where people are at with things. Um, AD, uh, our wonderful uh... – <coughs> no, hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. <coughs> Antonio Davis wants to come up here, goddammit. So, hold on. I'm going to pull him up here. And, um, as always, we're going to open up for questions. Give me a second. Yo, Indeed. what's up, what's OG? going on, man? Hey, man. Uh, 
yo, man, welcome. Uh, glad to have you up here, man. Yo, first of all, man, uh, tell like put me put me in in, in your shoes. Uh, watching the uh, the end of uh, uh, Tuesday's game with a uh, bi bi's performance late, the game winner, man. You know. How was that from your shoot? I tell you what, man. I had the perfect, I had the perfect angle for that shot. I had the perfect angle where we sit at the scores table when Bi let that ball go, and I'm not even talking about the way that he actually finished the game. I'm just actually talking about that final shot. Um, perfect angle, and as soon as he let that ball go, I'm sitting at the scores table with, with my finger up. I knew that was good. And I, and I said this on the Pelicans uh, podcast. I, I think it's great that the Pels fans actually had an opportunity to experience that. Because if you go back to all of those times this year where games that we've called, where we're sitting there and we're going crazy, and Utah, Devontae Graham hits a shot, and OKC, Devontae Graham hits a shot 69 feet, and the place is silent. It's silent because it's not at home. So Pels fans didn't really get an opportunity to experience it. And we got a chance to experience it, but the energy is different, obviously, on the road than it is at home. So for me, it was great to get an opportunity to experience that buzzer beater or last shot by Brandon Ingram along with the Pels fan base. Um, AD, what's, what's different or just anything that, that, you can, that you can think of is different about a win uh, like tonight versus maybe, you know, some past uh, Pelicans teams that, that you've noticed, even one early in the year that may have may have dropped, a, you know, dropped the game or came out with a, with a lack of energy and had to fight back. Is there a difference, like, you know, in mentality that you're seeing for them to just come out and pretty much dominate this game from start to finish? Well, you know, there's a maturity and a growth that's happening on the fly. And you notice it with certain guys. You can't tell me that you watch these games. And as good as Brandon Ingram has been since he's been here, he's different right now. He's different. The way that he is passing that basketball and facilitating is different to watch. Herb Jones, his growth on the fly, not just defensively. I'm talking about offensively. His offensive understanding, when to shoot, when to drive closeouts, when to cut, all these different kind of things. Like individual growth, has translated into collective growth. So when guys grow individually, now you get better as a team. Willie Green understanding the right buttons to push, offensive creativity, defensive adjustments, all these kind of things. Like everybody is growing individually, but you're growing together collectively. And you have guys that are overachieving. You know, you see guys that are ready to play the moment that they're checked in the game. Gary Clark, when he checks in the game, he's ready to rock, man. Jackson Hayes is a completely different player right now than he was earlier in the season. Jose Alvarado, who expected Jose to be doing exactly what he's doing now, going in and changing the game as a backup point guard? When you have guys that are overachieving and playing above what you thought, then your team is going to be better than what you thought. Uh, guys, so look, what, what I want you all to do is um, if you all if y'all have a question for AD, just um, use the – Use the uh, hand icon, and I'm gonna try to get to as many of y'all as many of y'all as I can here. Um, but first off, I mean, um, Charles, here you go. You first up, man. Go ahead. Hey, AD. We just had a, <clears throat> a real spirited conversation about Nikhil Alexander Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that maybe we're missing on the court that he's really, really buying in, excelling at, growing at? 
um, you know, defensively, um, you know, being a part of the team. I know you see a lot behind the scenes and you mm-hmm. speak very you speak very highly of them. And you also love to say, you know, growth is not linear. Um, right. So, you know, clue us in on like Nikhil on the court and the things that he's doing well that maybe the average fan might be missing. Well, you know, I, I said last game, I highlighted a play in particular where because with Nikhil, we can always focus on offense. And I said in tonight's game, the one thing that you want Nikhil to understand is how talented he is offensively. And what can happen is when you look and you see that Nikhil was averaging 13.3 field goal attempts per game and 6.6 of those shots are three-point shots, that means half of your attempts are from the three-point line. You're too talented. You're too good. You have too much in your offensive bag to continue to bail out teams. You hear me say all the time, a downhill kill is a good kill. When he gets downhill, he makes very good decisions. The thing that I see the area of growth, and I've heard him talk about this after practice, is now he realizes that it's not really about him. It's not about him making the right play. It's about the right play being made, even if it doesn't involve him. And he has talked about that. And you can see him, sometimes you can see him playing that way, making the extra pass, you know, finding someone that's open, turning down the shot and attacking the rim. It's just you want to see it more on a consistent basis. Uh, five, go ahead. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess I can see that because um, you it's like he's fighting demons out there. He's trying to fight his old natural right, right, and say, hey, I'm going to get this bucket when, you know, he's being taught probably in practice and he's probably been drilled to say, hey, we need to make the right play. So it's, it, it's you can see that. It's like he's always a half step late or a half step early because he's trying to do too much. Um, but I also wanted to let you know, like, man, we appreciate you. You know, I, we probably don't pack out the Smoothie King Center every night or something like that. Like, but what you do on the, the, the broadcast and the turtleneck from everything, man, like, we mess with you, you know what I'm saying? I know New Orleans isn't like a basketball city. It can be, you know, we just aren't. But, but what this team is putting out, man, we we appreciate everything you say and what you teach us, uh, even coming in on these spaces, because I feel like nobody else probably gets this from, from the um, commentator. Well, I, I tell you this. I, I can't tell this fan base how much I appreciate them, their support, their words, um, their input. Like, this is a very knowledgeable and passionate fan base. Invested. Like, that's the thing, is is everybody, we all want the same thing. All of us. All of us. From the coaching staff, to the players, to the the broadcast team, to you guys. All we want to do is see the team succeed. And you want to see them play hard in the process. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're playing very hard. So even when they lose, you can still walk away and say, you know what, this team is growing. So it's a difference between losing and losing and losing and learning. And what this team is doing on the fly, and we are blessed to be a part of the journey, is to watch this team. When they do lose, they still learn. But now what you're seeing is the growth. They are winning games now that they were losing earlier in the season. I used to go on different platforms all the time and say the Pelicans have enough to get it done. They're getting to the finish line. They just don't have enough to get through it right now. Now they're running through the finish line. Now they're running through the finish line. Brandon Ingram is putting this team on his shoulders. 
and he is leading this team. And it is awesome to see. It is great to see him be more vocal, to step up and be more of a leader. And again, everything for me goes back to the hiring of Willie Green and that fantastic coaching staff that Willie Green empowers. He is one of the most positive dudes I have ever seen. When this team is 1-12 and 12 and you're in shoot-around and you're at practice and guys are spirited and they're high-fiving each other, Willie did not allow negativity to creep into this team at all. But if you're not in practice, if you're not in shoot-around, that's something that you don't know because you just see the 1-12. You just see the 3-12, and 12, whatever it may be. Willie Green has done an amazing job speaking life into these young men. And now his optimism. His positive nature is starting to show up in wins, and he deserves that. Oh, oh my bad, Chris. I was going to ask AD, yo, is Herb Jones on the off-defensive team? Yep. For me, he is. And I'm not being biased because this is how I think about it. You look at somebody like Rudy Gobert, you know he's going to get a spot. You look at somebody like Draymond Green, you know he's going to get a spot. Uh, maybe a Patrick Beverly, right? Ben Simmons ain't playing. He ain't getting a spot. Kawhi Leonard ain't playing. He ain't getting a spot. Paul George is in there for a significant amount of time. He ain't getting a spot. Give me seven better defenders than Herb Jones right now in this league. I said I'll it. wait. I, I'm with I'll you. wait. And again, I am not speaking out of bias. When you have other stars from other teams that are starting the conversation, that's cool. Because now I can just keep the conversation going on a night-to-night basis. Like, I, I, I can't. I can't. I sit there and I think, okay, well, you know what? Patrick Beverly's a really good defender. But as far as versatility, switching one through four, understanding angles, defensive knowledge, and, and i tell you what. I'll tell you what. And I'm going to give him credit right now. B, Brandon, is on our coaching staff. He told me early. He told me way back in training camp. It may have been the first or second day of training camp. He said, you know what, AD? Watch out for Herb Jones. It was like the second day of training camp. He said, he's going to blow your mind. And I'm like, but B, I, I hear you. Um, but what is it? He said, you'll see. That's all he told me. You'll see this play itself out. And the vision that Brandon, who's on one of the PD coaches, one of the player development coaches, had back then, we are seeing it come to fruition right now. He called this all the way back in October. Uh, motivated mind. Get in here, bro. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, AD, once again, appreciate your brother. Um, I, two things, right? So I got two questions, man. Um, and a statement to, to, to preclude that. So, you know, the whole situation with Nall, much like the, the other guy said, Vinay, um, essentially about Nall comparing himself to Shea, working in the offseason with Shea and, and, and Olin and that whole crew or whatever. Um, you know, I think he's really just stuck with just comparing himself to shit constantly and understand he's like a kid with too many toys, like the kid that's like really smart in class that like overstudies and like fails the test. Right. But they're like mm -hmm. super smart. They're the smartest kid in there. They got all the skills, but they still overthink the test. You know what I mean? My question to you is, A.D., how do you get how do you get Naw to like keep his confidence, but still scale him back, right? Is it something that you got to say like, hey, look, I don't want you taking threes. No. Right? 
No. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how, how do you like, do? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how yeah, do you do? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and it's not going to come out the way I mean it. Yeah. Um, but, like, this ain't, this ain't college. This ain't high school. Right. Like, Nikhil is, anybody who has seen Nikhil Alexander Walker play knows how talented he is. The last thing you want to do is stun his growth. You have to trust that he'll get it. You have to trust. You don't tell guys at this level, don't shoot threes. You can tell them, listen, you can sit guys down and tell them, listen, man, you have so much in your offensive bag. I'm not telling you, because the last thing you want to do is take away a young, talented player's aggressiveness. That's true. But I also want to taper it down. I want you to understand what you do. And this is why you see our coaches in prior to the game sitting with their players that they're assigned to and going over film. Because you can show him this is what it looks like when you attack downhill. You know, this is what it looks like when you collapse defenses and find Gary Clark in the corner or find Gary Temple in the corner. This is what it looks like when you play that in-between game, when you shoot that 15 to 17-foot jump shot. You know, so it's not really about just telling him what he should and shouldn't do. It's about showing him what he is successful at doing. And then now it's on him. The rest is on him. Because it's one thing to show, but he has to take that, understand that, and then that has to translate to gameplay, though. Right. Okay, so part two of that is knowing that, right? And then, mm -hmm. you know, somebody else brought that up a little bit earlier, like, you know, how long do we how long do we kind of go with this experiment, right? Like, how long do we let this play out? Are we resign? You know, we got a couple years left. Do we resign them? You know, the trade deadline is coming up. What do we do? Right. My second question is, you know, what do you think? Let's just say all cards are on the table. Right. You're, you know, GM right for the day. What do you think this team is missing? And do you make a change? Right. Are you would you would you would you stand pat or would you okay. like make a change? I, I tell you, you look, I, I, and I don't I don't. That's out of my pay grade. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, gotcha, I will gotcha. break down, I will break down the game at nauseum. You know, break down players at nauseum. But as far as the things that go on, as far as moves to be made, and you know, should this guy be traded and should that guy be traded, you know, these are guys that I see every day. These are guys that I talk to every day. I I, I will be doing them a disservice to come on here and say they need to move this guy or they need to move that guy. I would never do that. I, I, I'll tell you first, I love this team. This is a team full of great dudes, of great guys. And for me, I'm blessed with the opportunity to see past the athletes, you know, and get a chance to sit and actually talk with these guys. Today after shoot around, I had a 20-minute conversation with Jose Alvarado. And I want to see that young man succeed so bad. I want to see him succeed badly because he's humble. He works his tail off and he is, he is so grateful to be where he is right now. So I wouldn't feel comfortable coming on and talking about these guys and saying, this guy needs to be traded or that guy needs to be traded. You know, that's, that's above my pay grade. Gotcha. Gotcha. Appreciate that. Chaz, get in here, baby. Please. AD. Uh, quick question. When you, when you look at a guy like Jackson, you, how as a as a guard yourself, how um how closely is a a guy like Jackson who he hasn't played uh 
basketball at a, uh, in the org- organized basketball very long. Um, mm-hmm. How much is his development tied to guard play offensively? Well, I, I hear you, and I know I know where you're going with that, um, but we're basically saying development is just offensive because the defensive side of the ball has nothing to do with guard play. I understand what you're saying as far as the offensive end, maybe running the floor, using what God has blessed him with. But the defensive side of the floor, that has nothing to do with guard play. That has to do with just understanding basic, you know, basic knowledge defensively. But the defensive side of the floor is also the most difficult side of the floor for rookies, first, second, and third-year players to get a grasp of. You know, a lot of times young guys don't play, not because they're not talented enough, but because they don't understand defensive rotations. They don't understand defensive schemes. Because when you get to this level, what you have relied on for your entire life has been your athleticism. You've been more athletic than everybody. So you never had to be in position because your athleticism allows you to be out of position and make up for it. But when you get to this level and guys are just as athletic, now when you make mistakes defensively, it's magnified. So for Jackson, he is very talented, man. I am telling you. I I remember tweeting about this in training camp. Jackson got a J. He got a soft touch. It's just a, a, again, this goes back to the Nikhil conversation as far as, okay, well, how long do you wait and so on and so forth. The thing is, he he is a freakish athlete with a really nice touch. You know, and it goes back to the whole linear conversation. And the last thing you want to do in this league is give up on guys too early. You don't want to do it. We've seen it too much. These guys, some guys just need the right coach at the right time in the right situation to become the best version of themselves. Logan, go ahead. Hey, what's up, D.D.? I just want to ask and say, do you think you're starting to see like a culture shift in New Orleans basketball in general? And do you think that maybe I can get the media off our backs a little bit? No. The, the media part is never going to happen. <laughs> the media part is never going to happen. The culture shift is happening. The culture shift is visible with, with Willie Green. There is a different culture here right now than that has been there in years past. There's an expectation when these guys take the floor to win. Like, as a fan, you know what you want to know? I want to know that the team that's taking the floor, what I expect out of them. You know what I mean? And this team that's taking the floor right now, you know exactly what you are going to get from these guys on a night-to-night basis. You can think of teams in years past where you have no idea what team is going to show up. And with this team, you know exactly what team is going to show up as far as effort is concerned. And I think that's the most important thing because you'll win a lot of games in this league by just playing harder than your opponent. Cool. Thank you. Yes, sir. Oh, I guess Chris busy. AD, I got a quick question for you, bud. Huh? All right. So my question is is simply talks about chemistry. I can see that the chemistry between this team right now is off the charts. They love being around each other. They love hanging out with each other. No matter what happens, trade deadline or even next year, how important is uh, when the new person comes in, whether that's, that's Zion himself because he hasn't been around the team that much lately or a new person from the outside, 
how much does that chemistry uh, affect how everybody's playing? Whether or not, you know, the old old guys versus the new guys. Well, I think it depends on who we're talking about. So if we're talking about somebody coming in, it depends on what that guy's role is coming in. I always feel like it's easier to for role players to adjust than stars to adjust. So you think about if Zion comes back, now that changes the, the dynamic of everything. You know, you have guys that may be getting shots that you realize those shots are going to go to that guy. You have an offense that you're running through that you realize a lot of times now the offense is going to go through that guy. So with a role player, it's not um, it's not as it's, it's easier because it's not like with a role player, you have to get that guy the ball. As a role player, when you get your star back, you feel like you have to get that star involved. You know what I mean? But with Willie Green, I have so much confidence in his ability to to right the ship regardless as to the direction that that ship is going. He led this team through a 1-12 start and never lost faith, never lost um, optimism. So do I think he'll have an issue working Zion into everything when Zion does return or anyone else? Not at all. Eddie, I have a question. Um, Tonight, it really felt like they jumped on the Clippers. And – I think that's an important sign of growth. Um, you know, some numbers, seven and three at home over the last 10 games, um, coming off a huge win. Um, the Clippers up or down big last night to the Nuggets. Nuggets came, or, um, you know, they came back, won that game. To me, this wasn't a typical blowout because it wasn't like they shot the hell out of the ball. Um, you talked about like defensive execution. Is this team becoming? self-aware you kind of answered the question but self-aware to the point where they're understanding where they are in the pecking order and what's in front of them if they continue to do the things that they've been asked to do individually and collectively because tonight it kind of seemed like they targeted this game and it wasn't just something that happened and I think that's huge for growth for a young team and you could just kind of speak on that well I um I think what this team is starting to develop is an identity. And that kind of goes back to the whole, do you know what you're getting when you step on the floor thing? Like they understand that if we play hard, things will take care of themselves. And what I like about this win today, and you just said it, it wasn't an offensive win. It's not like they went out and shot the piss out the ball. You know what I mean? Or you had a dude that had 40 and another dude that had 30 and it was just one of those nights where everything was going right. No, they didn't. They won this game defensively. And what's really difficult to do, especially for young, inexperienced teams, is to get them to buy in when their shots aren't falling. I remember having the conversation on here with Chris on Spaces earlier in the year. When your shots aren't falling, a lot of times what young players do and young teams do when their shots aren't falling, it affects their effort and they drop their heads, and they feel like they're not playing well. And what you're seeing now is winning different ways. Winning down the stretch, blowing out a team from beginning to end, winning when you're shooting the ball well, and also winning on the defensive side of the floor. And I think that's important because you're not going to shoot the ball well every time you step on the floor. But if you believe and rely on your defense and Willie Green's voice, they actually feel like they can beat anyone. 
Man, I think Chris is stuck. Chris is straight? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, guys. Um, I got maybe two more questions. I, I gotta get out of here. But give me, give me, let me get a couple more people up here. Give me one second. Gary, go ahead, baby. Um, I do want to, to to get a point. So, you are a former player. You played in the league. had a had a you know a really good career. Um, can you speak a little bit about what's the difference between having a coach that has been in those trenches and been in those um oh, been in those situations and been you know been on the floor in in a multitude of ways you know starter bench player and all that can you just talk about how that connection uh to the players and how deep that goes and how that can unlock some of this potential we've seen and kind of this turn that we're seeing in defense well i know for me i i said early on in the year and when i interviewed willie um i, I feel like the most important aspect in coaching in 2022 is the ability to relate to your players. I don't think there's anything more important. You can be a great X and O's guy. You can be a great defensive scheme guy. If your players can't relate to you, any, everything you throw you draw up, it won't come to. If you can relate to players, they will run through a wall for you. And what Willie Green can do as far as relating to these players is relate to everybody on that bench because he's been in every one of those situations. He's been a starter in his league. He's come off the bench in his league. He's been a sixth man and he's been in a situation where his minutes haven't been guaranteed and he's also been in a situation where he will go four or five games and not play and then play in a stay ready mode type of player. So the benefit of that is knowing how those guys are feeling because you've been there before. I tell you my biggest pet peeve, whether we're talking about sports or we're talking about life in general. Is when someone tries to relate to something that they've never had to deal with. I talk about it on my radio show all the time. It drives me crazy when we have cultural discussions about racism and then somebody tells me how I'm supposed to feel as a black man and they're not black. Willie Green's ability to relate to his players across the board carries weight. Because he's not telling you what he thinks. He's telling you what he's experienced. You can go back and look at some of the best guys in this league. I'm talking about players. And the coaching side didn't work out. You know why? Because they're accustomed to greatness and greatness only. If I was an all-star for my entire career, how can I relate to a guy that's coming off the bench? If I'm an all-star for my entire career, how can I relate to a guy that is never playing? A guy that's out of rotation. I ain't never been in that position before. I'm telling you to suck it up and deal with it. But Willie Green has a different perspective because he's experienced all that. That carries so much weight to me. Dawson, man. Get up here. Hey, yeah, appreciate you, Chris. AD, look at it just on the court. It looks like this offense just getting a lot more cohesiveness to it, the chemistry. They're moving the ball faster. I just wanted to get, you know, I'm probably one of the weakest basketball IQ minds when it comes to that. I wanted to hear what you thought about that and just how maybe Zion would fit into it. And if you see certain actions that this team is really just – their staples coming across, it's a staple of the offense. And Willie Green's really just getting to, to implement more of what he wants to do. Do you see that too? So, yes, I, I just remember early on in the season being on here and talking about patience. And I know fans hate to hear it. 
And you know what they told me at the time? You know what, AD, we've been patient forever. You know, we were patient in the Chris Paul time. We were patient in the Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday time. And now you preach your patience again. And I wasn't talking about patience like years down the line. I'm talking about patience for Willie Green to understand what he has and what he needs to do to put his players in the best position to be successful. So when the season started, you have a guy like Devontae Graham. And how do you, where do you put him? He's not a traditional point guard. But what Willie Green has done is said, you know what? Okay, we're going to put you off the ball some and allow Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart to initiate the offense. So being patient, that's all a part of the being patient. And it's nice to see it start to play um, itself out. Yeah, it looks like Josh Hart's been a big beneficiary of that. Um, handle more of that. Yeah, Josh Hart is, is never um, – a lot of coaching is about vision. And this is the most responsibility that Josh Hart has had. Ball handling, decision-making, rebounding, and the responsibility that he just has, like, for setting the tone for this team. You're showing me grace right now. You clearly pissed, but you, I clearly pissed you off. AD, I had a, re- a question real quick, ma'am. Um, Trey Murphy, I know we don't really mention him. He doesn't really come up that much in the beginning. Everybody was on fire for him. I was sold. Mm-hmm. I was I was all over it. Where have you seen his development over, like, the past, over, of course, across the season, um, you know, being in and out of the lineup and, and being able to get some, some minutes here and there? Where have you seen his development? Um, and, and how has his development been, really, honestly? I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It's tough to see the overall development on the floor because he hasn't played much. That's that's the hard part. Trey Murphy hasn't played a whole lot. But I tell you what, I see the development outside those four lines because he's not complaining. He's not griping. He doesn't have a bad attitude. He still shows up every day with a smile on his face, just like Billy Hernan Gomez. Shows up with a smile on his face, whether or not he is in the lineup or not, and working his tail off at practice. No, we haven't seen it play itself out in between the four lines. But it's a tough situation for him right now. But this is this is what being a rookie is all about. It's about adversity. It's all about adversity. I used to say all the time, man, if I can go back and change something on my about my rookie year, I wish I wasn't playing immediately. I wish I wasn't. I wish it was a situation where I had a chance to sit, watch, learn, and then go show. And I think Trey Murphy needs to use this time to grow. There are two ways to learn. You can learn on the fly by being baptized, thrown into the fire, or you can learn through vision. But when you start getting other guys back and those double teams start to come religiously, that's what you drafted Trey Murphy for. All right, guys, I got one more, man. Go ahead. All I wanted to say was I appreciate the pettiness of Antonio <laughs> Um, AD and Joe Myers tonight. It was the greatest thing I've ever heard watching the broadcast. You know, because I got questions too. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh man, come on, man. This is <laughs> come on, man. Let, let, let's go ahead and be honest. Some of the stuff that's going on sometimes. I there are times where I I take my 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 headset off because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm being honest. I take my headset off and I sit it on the table at the scores table. Because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Some of the stuff that we are saying, again, I, I, I get that refs are human and they're going to make mistakes. 
but some of this stuff is happening directly in front of us and directly in front of them. So that's my new thing. That's my way of saying something suspect is going on. Like, look, man, I got questions. I got questions. We got broadcast meetings every summer where we get a chance to sit down and talk to the officials. Oh, man, I'm banking my questions up. I can't wait to the next broadcast meeting. Hey, I'm just saying, my man, uh, he should carry on like Kendrick Perkins always say, because my boy carried that ball oh, to the moon and back. Oh, Lord, did he. Lord, did he. And, and Joe was being petty. Like, you want to carry it to break? Like, nope, you carry us out. Yep, <laughs> you're exactly right. We're going to be petty. We're going we gonna to do this. We're going to have fun with it. <laughs> All right, guys, man. Yo, 80, man, I appreciate it.